we've had a great time this weekend. So honored to have my mom and dad in the house today. I obviously didn't know they were coming or I would have worn a tie. So I appreciate that. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 12, and I want to talk to you about a message simply entitled, Are You the Goat? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Are you the goat? I want you to do something for me. Would you, would you do this for me right, right now? I just want you to take a great, big, deep breath. Would you do that? Hold it. Now let it go. Feels good to do that. Some of you, the first time you've done that in a while. Just take a big, deep breath. You're busy people. Let it out. Just Relax. Something God wants to speak to you about today. But when you were breathing in, you did something very specific. You breathed in something that gives you life. And if you didn't do that, you would pass out. And if you didn't do that long enough, you would die. You breathe in oxygen, but you don't just hold it in, but then you exhale. You don't exhale oxygen, but you exhale carbon dioxide. I, learned, I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher. I learned that much in school. Much beyond that, that's all I got. But I know that much. And this week when I was doing my personal devotion and, and just letting the Lord kind of speak to me, I, I began to realize there's some good things that we need to breathe in. But then there's some negative things in our life that we need to breathe out. Things that we need to breathe in. We, we, we need to, to breathe in His Word. We need to pray. We need to be surrounded by people who are spurring us on as we follow Jesus. We need to share our faith with boldness and confidence. We, there's some things that need to be in our lives. But then there are some things that we need to exhale. And there's some stuff that some of us have been holding on to for a long time. And it's keeping us from going to where it is that we need to go in this relationship with Jesus. And, and so maybe for some of you that's anger, bitterness. Maybe there's sin. Maybe there's an addiction there. Maybe there's something that you're just holding on to and you believe and you follow Jesus. But, but there's something that you're not letting go of that's really becoming a hindrance in your walk with the Lord. And so as I was praying and I was thinking about that, I just started praying, Lord, what is it in me that, that I need to let go of? What is it that I need to exhale? What is it that I need to, 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 to get rid of that, that, that would keep me from being who I want to be as I follow Jesus? And one of the things that I've been wrestling with over the last few weeks and, and maybe even the last couple of months, we celebrated our 10-year celebration of North Park Church last weekend. Was that fun? That was a good weekend. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of time to self-reflect and think about, okay, if, 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 that was, if this is kind of halftime, not saying this is halftime, but I'm just saying if, if this is a time to reevaluate, you know, what really defined the first 10 years and, and what do we want to define the next 10 years? So I've been thinking a lot of, of things like that and asking a lot of those self-reflecting questions. And one of the things that kept coming into my mind is, is the word ambition. Now, let me just tell you, th this whole message today, I I'm inviting you into a conversation that I'm having with the Lord. I mean, there are times that, that I'll study for things for months, and, and I'll share it when the Lord says it's time to share it. I'm working on a, a series right now in the life of David. I have no clue when I'm going to preach that, but I'm just working on that. I'm preparing that. But then there are times like today when, when there's a conversation that I'm having with the Lord, and I just feel like I should invite you into that conversation. And so if it feels like I'm still wrestling with some of these things and kind of struggling to figure some of these things out, I am. And, and, and so if you sense some tension and frustration in me, even as I preach today, that's what that is. Because I'm still having this conversation with the Lord. And I'm just inviting you to be a part of it. 
But I kept coming back to this idea of, of ambition. Maybe there's ambition in my heart, and, and I don't really want that ambition to be there. That's really what I've been thinking over the last couple of days. I was reminded of a conversation I had with my mom 10 years ago. And my mom looked at me, and this is what she said. She said, what do you see North Park can be 10 years from now? Well, now we're on the other side of that. It's been 10 years. But I looked at my mom, and with as much arrogance as I could muster up within me, this is what I said to my mom. And I wish I could get in the DeLorean and go all the way back to that day and punch that dude in the mouth. But, but this is how arrogant I was 10 years ago. I looked at my own mom, and I said, if we're not reaching 10,000 people in the next 10 years in a city of a million people, we're not doing anything. That's what I said to my mom. Now, standing on this side of a decade, I got a completely different perspective. And, and there's no way in the world that we can look back on 10 years and say, we've not done anything. We've pastored this city. We've put lifelong followers of Jesus. And there's not 10,000 people in the room on the weekend. But how arrogant was that of me to say, if we're not reaching 10,000 people, we're not doing anything. And that arrogance and that ambition, as I look back on that part of my journey in my life, and, and if this is kind of weird, maybe you've never heard me preach before, this is your first day, welcome. But if this is your first day, and you're thinking, I've never heard a pastor preach like this, we just are real here at North Park, and we are very vulnerable, and we just tell it kind of like it is, and, and we talk about what's really going on in our heart. And I hope that's life-giving and healthy for you, not weird for you to hear. But I look back on that part of my journey, and, and that ambition in my heart really scared and I thought, I don't want the next 10 years of my life and ministry to be marked by ambition. I want the next 10 years of my life to be marked by humble obedience. And I wrote that in my journal. And in my mind, you got to follow my thought process here. In my mind, those were two separate, completely different things. In fact, in my mind, they were actually opposites of one another. That ambition is over here, and you're either ambitious or you were humble and you're just obedient and you're doing what God called you to do. And if you're humble, you can't be ambitious. And if you're ambitious, then you can't be humble. And I just was struggling with this because I really felt like to accomplish the dream that was in my heart, that there had to be some ambition that drives you to do that. So you can see the tension and the struggle. So it's like, okay, do I follow the dream that God's put in my heart to follow, lead this church to pastor a city, or, or, or am I just going to be humble and obedient? And I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how does that work and how do those things go together? I had a conversation with a mentor, a man that I really trust, and, and, and I was sharing with him about some of these wrestling matches that I was having with the Lord and, and, and my own faith and my own mind. And he's at, he asked me a very simple question. He said, why does it have to be both? Why is it either ambitious or humble obedience? And this is what he said to me that really helped me. He said, Anthony, ambition is not bad. He actually said this, ambition is morally neutral. Ambition is morally neutral. And he said what makes our ambition wrong is if our ambition is driven by the wrong thing. And so it's not that ambition is in our heart is, is a bad thing. The bad thing is when our ambition causes us to chase after things that doesn't glorify God or that causes our name to be lifted up instead of his name to be lifted up. 
And in fact, I've come to understand if you're ambitious, but you're also not humble, that makes you arrogant, and that makes you look at your mama 10 years ago and say, if we're not reaching 10,000 people, we're nothing. Do you see that? So there was ambition, there was just no humility, and so what was left was this arrogance, and so it's arrogance that God really wants us to breathe out and, and let go of. So the question for you today, and this isn't just my story, I invite you into this story, my question for you today is, that thing you're chasing, that dream that's in your heart, that thing that drives you every single day when you hit the alarm clock and you get up. My, my son literally has an alarm on his phone and it's labeled. And I didn't know this until this week. His alarm was just going off like 5 o'clock in the morning. It's just going off and he wouldn't cut it off. And so I walk in, you know, doing the, would you please cut your alarm off, you know. And I grab his phone and his alarm said, time to change the world. I thought, wow, how powerful is that? What is it that drives you when you wake up in the morning? What is it that you want to see happen in your life? Well, first of all, is that something that God has put there? Are you chasing a God thing or are you chasing something that's ungodly? Are you chasing a God thing or are you chasing maybe just a good thing that God didn't really put there but you thought it was a really good idea for you to chase? Or are you chasing something that God has birthed inside of you and if you are, the question is, why are you doing so for you to receive glory for that or for God to receive glory? See, the motivation behind the things that are driving us are everything. See, true humility doesn't kill our dreams. Instead, it provides guardrails for our dreams. You see that? We chase after our dreams that God's put in our heart and we do it with everything that we have within us. We can be ambitious about that, but at the same time, we have these guardrails in our life called humility and this humble obedience that helps keep us where it is that God wants us to be. See, we're all driven by something. The question is, what are we driven by? And I'm convinced that we pursue, we're driven by the things we value most in our life. So what do you value? What do you value most in your life? I want you to be really honest with yourself this morning. What do you value? What do you think about? What is it that you are consumed by? Where does your mind drift? What do you notice? What do you ponder? Where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? Because when all is said and done, what we actually go after is what we value. Now in John chapter 12, John gives us some great insight into what really makes us tick. And that's what I love about God's word, is I can read a story in God's word, and, and it may be about a situation, or it may, might be about a real person, and about their story, but man, is it like looking into a mirror where I can see what's really lurking in my own heart when I read God's word. That's the Holy Spirit that brings those things alive. We say all the time, this is God's written word to the world, but it's God's living word to us. And the Holy Spirit makes his word come alive. And in John chapter 12, what we find is, is this is hours before Jesus was crucified. And this is what we call the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. We, we actually celebrate this on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. 
And so as Jesus is riding in, there's this parade, there's all these people waving palm branches, and they're screaming, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so, man, they are worshiping Jesus because they recognized that he would be their political savior. But that wasn't what Jesus wanted to come and save them from, not their politics. He wanted to save them from something far better than their politics. He didn't want to be the political Messiah. He wanted to be the Messiah. And it wasn't until they recognized his mission was different from their mission that those same people turned from him. But in this moment, this is very pivotal because all of their attention and all of their energy, all of their attention is focused on him. Now, I don't know what you would do in that moment when the spotlight is on you. I don't know what you would do in that moment when everybody is saying how great you are. I don't know what you would do in that moment when everybody is looking at you going, you are the Savior. But Jesus, in verse 28 of John chapter 12, says powerful words. And this is what he says. Father, glorify your name. In this moment, it's not about me. It's not about my This is about the Father being glorified in my life. Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm living out a mission that I was called to. I'm living out a purpose for which I was put on this earth to do. But the whole reason I'm doing it is for the Father to be glorified. You were put on this earth for a reason. There is purpose inside of you. You were created for a purpose. You weren't an accident. It's not by chance that you're here. You're not here just taking up space and breathing in air. You were here to live on purpose. There is a mission for which you were created. The question is, will you do it for your glory or for his glory? Then in that moment, keep reading in verse 28. Father, bring glory to your name. Then something very specific happens. Then a voice from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. So the crowd hears this voice from heaven, the Father speaking to the Son. And then verse 29 says, when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder. Others declared that an angel had spoken to them. Now you would think in that moment that that crowd would have fallen down on their face and worshipped God. It took far less than a voice from heaven to convince me to follow Jesus. But here's a voice from heaven talking about God's glory. You would think everybody would have fallen down and worshipped him. But verse 37 says, but despite all the miraculous signs that Jesus had done, most people still didn't believe in him. You know, there's some of you in this room, despite everything that God has done in your life, you still refuse to believe in him. Despite everything he's done in your life, despite every blessing he's given to you, despite everything he's done in your life, you still do not believe in him. But even worse than that, there were some who believed but still didn't follow him. Look at verse 42. It says many people, they did believe in him. However, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it. How crazy is that? That they saw, that they listened, they believed, but they still did not make a decision to follow him. Why? The next phrase tells us why. For fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. See, these believers 
were authorities in the Jewish community, and so they made their living in the synagogue. And so their jobs and their reputation were on the line. If they followed Jesus and they said that this is our Messiah, those Pharisees could have put them out of the synagogue. They could have been bounced from the synagogue. They could have kissed their position and income goodbye. There was a lot on the line for those people. But it wasn't just fear that kept them from following Jesus. It was actually something that they loved. Look at verse 43. It says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And the very thing that drove them away from a relationship with Jesus is the very same thing that's keeping some of us in this room from an incredible relationship with Him as well. Because we would rather have human praise than the praise of God. This right here. It's a powerful thing. And it's a drug. And we crave it. And we're addicted to it. And we just want men and women to glorify us more than we care about the praise of God. Why? Because we want to be known. We want our name called. Did you hear anything I said while I was clapping? Okay, I just want to make sure. We want to be in the spotlight. We want to be on the highlight reel. We like it when people recognize we do good things. And that matters more to us than anything else. We crave it. I was kind of complaining to a friend one day. And I said something like, man, I'm just so busy. I got all kinds of stuff going on. What you got going on? Well, I got to run here and I got to run there. And my son's playing basketball and somehow I volunteered to be the announcer for the basketball team so I got to do the opening announcements and prayer every time there's a game so I go to every game and I get there early and I do the announcements and he said you do what does every parent volunteer every game to do something there's not enough parents to spread that around it's like well I, I guess not I volunteered to do every game see what I didn't tell him was I like it I like it I like grabbing that microphone and going, and now, welcome to North Raleigh Christian Heights. I do the whole thing like that. There's seven people in the stands. You think there was thousands of people. But I like going, welcome to today's activity, starting number five, Grayson Sargent. I'm really good at it. I really am. And when I do it, people do that. They laugh, and they clap, and they pat me on the back, and they say, oh, I love it when you do that. And there's something inside of me that's like, I like it too. I like that too. I don't know what it is. It's the applause. And that friend looked at me, and this is what he said. He said, uh, why, why do you volunteer to, to be, the, be the announcer? Well, somebody's got to do it. We go victim, don't we? We go martyr mode. Well, nobody else volunteered, so I stepped up and I volunteered. And he said, why don't, why don't, why don't you volunteer to work the concession stand? Why don't, you volunteer to, why don't you volunteer to take tickets at the door? Why is it that you always have to have a microphone in your hand? Because we like the applause. We like the recognition. We like the glory. I had a friend look at me one day and he said, close your eyes. 
and imagine everything you want to see God do in your city. And I did. He said, do you see it? I was like, yeah, I see it. It's a clear mental picture of what could be. It's fueled by a conviction that it should be. I know what God has called us here to do. I see it as plain as day. And this is what he asked. Would you be okay if God chose somebody else to do that in your city? As long as it gets done, who cares who gets the credit for it? And there was something inside of me. I know what I said. Oh, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Who, who care who gets credit for that? Oh, yeah. Something inside of me went, no, 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 that's what God's called me to do. No, 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 that's what God called us to do. Like, we, no, 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 there's, well, well, what is that? It's glory, and we crave it. And the people in John 12, their drive was so powerful that it diverted them from the Son of God himself. And that same thing is happening to some of us. And we're programmed for it. We're taught our whole life to chase glory. I mean, we really are. We're taught our whole lives to go after these big things, right? I mean, I remember growing up and I'd walk into the, to the den and my dad would have the television set on. And that was back when television was good and there were theme songs. Do you remember theme songs? Oh, they were great. And one of my favorite ones here, were you ready? Well, we're moving on up. To the east side. Come on, sing it with me. You know what? To a deluxe apartment in the sky. Well, we're moving on up. Moving on up. Yeah, there we go. To the east side. We finally got a piece of the pie. If you don't know that, you need to go Netflix that because that's good quality. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Come on. Took a whole lot of two right hands just to get up that hill. Mm. Now we up in the big leaves, getting my turn at bat. Yeah, here we go. Long as we live, you and me, baby, ain't nothing wrong with that. That was good stuff right there. <laughs> that was good, Hunter. That was awesome. Man, that's good stuff. <laughs> But that whole idea, man, we got to move up. We got to get to the top. We got we, we to we climb through this thing. Paul Tripp actually describes us as glory junkies. And this is what he writes. He says, admit it, you're a glory junkie. That's why you like the 360 degree between the legs slam dunk or the amazing hand beaded formal gown or the seven layer triple chocolate mousse cake. Come on, somebody. It's why you were attracted to the hugeness of a mountain range or the multi-huge splendor of the sunset. You were hardwired by your creator for a glory orientation. It's inescapable and it's in your genes. So it's not wrong that glory attracts us. It's not wrong that, that glory grabs us. There's just a condition. Here's the condition. We must seek a certain type of glory. And that is the glory of God. See, the kids say, are you the goat? What's the goat mean? Greatest of all time. Are you the greatest of all time? Are you seeking to be the greatest of all times? Or are you seeking to live your life to bring honor to the God of the ages? 
the true greatest of all times. So where do we discover this glory, the glory of God? Well, John 1 verse 14 says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. We're talking about Jesus. The Word became human, Jesus. And He made His home among us. And He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And, and we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's one and only where we experience true glory in the presence of God. The question is, what does it mean really to discover God's glory? What that means is, is we love Jesus and that we value him more than anything else in our lives. I mean, that's the thing that really marks us as followers of Jesus. It's not just something we believe and it's not just a decision that we've made and some steps that we take, but it's that we love Jesus and that we value him more than anything else in our lives. That we love him and that we live our lives, we live our lives for his glory. I grew up singing a song, and, and here's the words to the song. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure. And by his strength alone I overcome. And oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hands. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone I place my trust. And find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is Christ alone. Can we say that? That it is in Christ alone that I glory. Jeff Schaefer shared with me this really cool story about George Washington. And here's a guy who's ambitious, he's a strong leader, and we would look back and say in American history, he's probably one of the goats, right? One of the greatest of all time. But there was a guy who was going to visit George Washington, and this is before social media and Google images, and they didn't know what he looked like. His picture, I guess, wasn't on the dollar yet, you know, so they didn't know what George Washington looked like. And so a guy said, if I'm supposed to meet with him, how am I going to know when I find him? And I love this description. He said, oh, it'll be very easy. When the event starts, he'll be the one on his knees. Man, what a picture of strong leadership. But at the same time, humility, recognizing, I know where my strength comes from. Does that make sense? There's this guy that, man, I just love him to death. He's such a mentor and friend. And as a young youth pastor, man, I just looked up to him. He was, he was one of my goats, right? I just always looked up to him and admired him from a distance. And one day I had the privilege of having breakfast with him. I was just picking his brain. Some of you know his name's Tom Madden. And I said, Tom, 
What would you tell this young leader that's just wanting to make a difference? What would you say? What, what would you say is the one thing that I need to do to accomplish the dream that's in my heart? Tom looked at me and he said, Anthony, there's just one thing. Always stay on your face. Always stay on your face. Always stay on your face. Recognizing your strength comes from him and that your direction comes from him. And he'll guide you. He'll anoint you. He'll, he'll do what he wants to do in your life if you'll just stay on your face. What do you mean by that? He meant pray. Be a man of prayer. Stay on your knees. Well, I got to know him a little bit more, and, and, and that's a very easy thing to say to somebody. Well, pray. You just need to pray about it. You pray a lot. You mean man or woman of prayer. That's a noble thing to say. But I was invited to be a part of an event that, that Tom began many years ago. It's called Winterfest. And it's a youth conference for students. And they happen literally all over the nation, but it started back in the day. Actually, it's where my wife and I fell in love was at Winterfest, a trip that we had taken some students to. I went to Winterfest for years. How many of you, some of you have been to Winterfest? Maybe some of you, yeah, some of you. And, and when, I, when I went, this, this, this guy, um, now I had the opportunity to serve with this guy and actually help facilitate this conference. And this is a conference of like 18,000 people. I mean, there's a lot of students at this deal. They fill up Thompson Bowling Arena in, in, in Chattanooga, it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's just a powerful thing. And I don't know where I expected to find Tom at that event. I don't know, he's the creator, he's the founder, he's the man, right? He's, he's the goat, and, and you would think that that would be the guy that's on the stage under the lights with the mic. And I happened to be walking down one of the back hallways in the middle of the event, going from one section of the arena to the next, instead of cutting through the arena, I was going down kind of a back corridor in the back where they keep all the chairs and the forklifts and the pallets, you know, way back there. And as I was walking by, I could hear something kind of in the corner and, and there's, there's 18,000 kids screaming in an arena, worshiping. And there's bands playing, big-time speakers and bands. Everybody wanted to be there. But I could hear somebody. And, and as I walked down the hallway, I just kind of looked around the corner, and there was a stack of chairs, and I could see somebody's feet, like, by the chairs. And, and I walked in. It was just an odd thing to see because there's 18,000 people worshiping Jesus in there. Why would somebody be out here just praying by themselves? And when I looked around, I realized it was Tom. It was the founder. It was, it was the guy in charge. It was the guy who was running the in, entire operation. But he wasn't out there in the spotlight. He wasn't out there with a microphone in his hand. Instead, he was doing exactly what he had told me to do years before. Anthony, always stay on your face. Stay on your knees. Be a man of prayer. I'm going to tell you what, that did something to me. I want us to chase after the things that God has put in our heart to chase after, but I want to do it with a humble obedience, and I want us to stay on our faces. Why? Because we value our relationship with Him more than anything else in our lives. Our time on this earth is so short. And the older I get, faster it becomes. I remember when I was a kid, everything took forever. You remember that? Christmas was like a thousand years away. My 16th birthday, I didn't think it would ever get there. 
I didn't think I would ever finish high school. Something happens with age. The clock just begins to spin, and we're losing time. We're losing it so quickly, and it's just getting faster and faster and faster. So I don't know. I don't know if it's because my kids are getting older, I'm getting older. I don't know what it is, but I just keep thinking, what am I investing my life in? Am I spending my life doing things that truly matter? Because how bad would it be to get to the end of the journey and realize you didn't chase after anything that mattered? And maybe you accomplished some stuff, maybe you got some awards, maybe you got some trophies, but at the end of the day, that thing you were chasing wasn't for his glory, it was for yours. And it didn't matter. I want us to keep in mind that what we do on this side of glory, what we do on this side of heaven, impacts the other side, right? And I want to make sure that we're investing our life in something that's not temporary and that's going to fade away, but something that has eternal value. How do you want to spend your Rather, how do you want to invest your life? Are you chasing after His glory? Or are you chasing after you? Just pray with me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to understand and realize how vital it is that we check our motives God, that we check the things that are driving us. Because, Lord, maybe we're chasing after some good things. Maybe we're chasing after some God things. But our motives, our heart's not in the right place. Maybe we're getting off course. I pray that today would just serve as a reminder, a wake-up call, first of all, to make sure that we're chasing after God things in our life, godly things. That we understand that the most important thing, what we should value most is a personal relationship with our Savior, our Messiah, our soon coming King. And Lord, I pray that if there's anything in our heart, if there's anything that's driving us that doesn't resemble you, that doesn't resemble your word, that's not a reflection of your word. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would lay that down right now and we would ask you to forgive us. That you would cleanse us from that, from selfishness, from pride, from arrogance. And God, I pray that we would be humble, that we would be obedient, but God, that we would chase after those God-sized dreams that you've given birth to in our hearts with everything that we have within us. God, it's not ambition or humility. It's both. God, it's being driven by what you've put in our hearts. It's about being persistent. It's about running this race with endurance. But it's about being humble and obedient too. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us. That you would give us the strength to allow your word to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, that we would follow you as we are obedient to you and your word. And yes, that may mean we have to lay some things down. Yes, that may mean that we have to sacrifice some things. Yes, that may mean we have to breathe some things out. But Lord, help us to be committed to 
giving up personal preference and, 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 and following you with everything that we have within us. God, we value you more than anything in the world. And I pray our lives would be a reflection of your glory. That when the world sees us, they don't see what we've done or think, wow, they're great. God, that they would just see the Holy Spirit working in us. God, that we would just be a mirror that would reflect to you, your glory, and what you're doing in the world. I thank you so much. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, I am so proud of some people that I feel are living on mission and that they're living on purpose. And not only am I proud to cheer those people on, but I want to do everything I can to invest my life into those people to help them accomplish what it is that they're chasing after that God has birthed in their heart. Last week, um, as we celebrated 10 years, we told you about some cool things that we were going to be doing to just love on people and, and give things away, to invest in this community. I, I told you last week, we, we, we brought Steve and Ashley McElwain and Foundation Restoration up on stage, and, and we invested in them as a church because they're helping us pastor this city, and we want to invest in people who believe in what God has called them to do, and they're doing it with everything they have within them. And today is no different. We're continuing the celebration. And I told you about a top secret mission that we were working on a couple of weeks ago and asked you to invest in that, and you did. And so today, we're going we're gonna to unveil what that top secret mission is. Because there are some people who are chasing some God-sized dreams, and they're doing it with humility, and they're doing it with obedience, and we want to recognize that. We want to we let them know we believe in them, and we want to invest in them, and we want to be a foundation for them to accomplish their dreams. So I'm going to ask Miss Lottie. Miss Lottie, come on up. Come join me on stage. She has no idea what's happening right now, but she's thanking the Lord. She, she looked good when she left the house today. Miss Lottie's my friend. She's looking good, too. She's the goat. <laughs> Miss Lottie, um, I want just, first of all, to say thank you because the partnership that we have in the Oaks community would not exist if it were not for you and the heart that you have. You love the people that are in your community. And not just in the Oaks, but you love the people of this city. In fact, when we first showed up, if I remember correctly, I'm not so sure you were happy about us being there. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It was because you were protecting your sheep. You were protecting your neighbors. You were protecting your community. And there had been a lot of hurt there because churches would come in and promise the moon and and then, and then leave, right? And, and I saw you caring for the people that were around you. But not only did we fall in love with you, but I think you fell in love with your church. And you've been a vital part of North Park for years. And I'm thankful for that. It was brought to my attention a few days ago that um, some of the, the food service programs in some of the communities that you serve um, the funding would be cut for that. And so some of those resources that people count on, um, those resources just aren't there. And so Miss Lottie thought, well, you know what? I think I can do something about that. 
And I believe God birthed in your heart a dream that you're following right now to open up a food pantry. Is that right? Is that what I heard? And it's a food pantry that will serve a lot of different communities. And when we heard about that, we were so excited that you're doing that. And we believe that's something that God has put in your heart to do. And so North Park Church, your church, wants to come alongside of you and help you fulfill the dream and the vision that God's put in your heart. And so we have a gift for you today, uh, an investment for $2,000 to help you get started on your dream that God has put in your heart. I love you. We love you. We believe in you. We believe in you. Would you stand?